Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. We're in the Sermon on the Mount. We're closing out the Beatitudes this morning. We've covered the first five, and we're going to cover the last three this morning. And so I've titled the message, Are You Happy? Continue. That's what the word beatitude means. It was the Latin word that was attached to this passage. It's not in the Scripture, but in the Latin, the word beatitude meant to be filled with happiness. And that's what the blessing that Jesus pronounces. Jesus is taking people who, according to the world, weren't blessed. The characteristics, the attributes that he's describing in this passage are not something that the world held in high regards. And yet Jesus, as I've said before, flipped the price tags in the display case and said, this is what's valuable. And so the pattern of the Beatitudes is, blessed are you with this characteristic, for there's a reward. So, are you happy? Dennis Woley wrote a book called, Are You Happy? And in the book, he he said, according to experts, only 20% of Americans are happy. Everybody happy in here today? Good. So we're breaking the curve. We're curve busters. You understand joy is a fruit of the Spirit. So if you're a child of God, you have joy, and it's growing in your life. But happiness sometimes can be circumstantial. It can be outside of our control. But Jesus is pronouncing happiness over certain characteristics, so we're going to look at three of them this morning. And I think we're above the 20% rule. So let me read the first one, verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So happy, fortunate, well-off is the pure in heart. The word that Jesus uses for heart is the word cardia. It's the Greek word cardia and where we get cardiac from. So you've heard the word heart before. But they were not the scientists that we are today. They thought the heart was the seat of the emotions. But more than that, it was really the interior, the center of the person. So what Jesus is saying is if at your very center you're pure, then there's a blessing that comes from that. So the heart... Blessed if you are pure. The word pure means free free from defilement or contamination. Free from defilement, contamination, or unmixed, undivided. Later on in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is going to talk about not serving two masters. You'll either love one and hate the other or serve one or love one or hate one and serve the other. So what Jesus is saying is don't be mixed, don't be defiled, don't be contaminated. Why is it in our world that we're more concerned about some things that go in our body or touch our body than we are what's touching our heart. Think about that. I was staying, this has been a few years ago, I went back home and was staying in my old room at my mom and dad's house. And my room was right next to my brother's room. My, bro, my mom said, you know what, your brother left some underwear when he was here last time. Do you want it? I'm like, I don't want my brother's underwear. But why am I more concerned about wearing something that's been washed, it's clean. It's just I don't want his stuff touching my stuff, you know what I'm saying? So I'm not going to wear my brother's underwear. But why am I more concerned with that sometimes than I am my own heart? And Jesus is saying, blessed, happy, fortunate are the pure in heart. How to be pure. What are some ways that we're pure? Number one, only God can make you pure. Proverbs 20 verse 9 says, who can say I have cleansed my heart? I am pure from my sin. Who can say that? Nobody can say, I've cleansed my heart. Why? Because it's only something God can do. It's supernatural. It's miraculous. It says we trust him by faith. We come to Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. He cleans our heart. He makes us pure. Second way, so only God can make you pure. Second is stay in the word. 
John 15, 3 says, You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. So if you desire to be pure in the eyes of God, you're going to do it because he made you clean. You're going to do it because you stay in the word. In fact, I would say this. If you claim to be a child of God and you don't read the word that he's given you, you need to question how well you know him or if you know him at all. So stay in the word of God. Walk by the spirit. Galatians 5, 16 says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. See, there's a battle going on within us. In fact, in Ephesians, it says your flesh is being corrupted. So the longer you walk with Christ, the more your flesh is becoming corrupted, the more your heart should be pure. Does that make sense? You see what I'm saying? Which is going to be greater? Whichever one you feed. If you feed the purity of your heart, it's going to be more pure. If you feed the lust of the flesh, that's what's going to grow. So only God can make you pure, stay in the Word, walk by the Spirit, and then pray. Pray what David prayed in Psalms 139. Search me, O Lord. See if there's any evil, hurtful way within me. Pray. Ephesians 6, first part of 18 says, With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. I think our prayer life will be an indication of how pure our heart is. So that's how to be pure, but there's a reward. I love the reward. You shall see... God. The word see means to look at something with your eyes wide open as if you're looking at something totally marvelous. Because you are. In fact, the, the desire of the Old Testament characters were they wanted to see God. You remember Moses said, God, let me see your glory. And God says, well, no one can see my face and live. So he put him in a cleft of a rock and held his hand over him as he passed. And all Moses got to see was the backside of his glory. But I got to tell you something. It was awesome. It was supernatural. Psalms 24, verses 3 and 4 ask this, Who may ascend the hill of the Lord, and who may stand in his holy place? The answer is, he who has clean hands and a pure heart. Who's going to be in the presence of God? Those with a pure heart. That's what heaven's going to be like. God is in the midst of making us more like Jesus every day as you surrender to his lordship. So, you're pure in heart. You shall see God. In fact, Paul puts it this way in 1 Corinthians 13. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I have been fully known. Think about that. One day you're going to see Jesus. You see the power of Jesus all around you even today. You see God display himself in the heavens. and I mean, you can't go to the beach without recognizing God did this. It is a creative intelligent design but one day you're going to see him face to face so if we're going to spend eternity like that let's get more like that now so blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see god let's look at the second one blessed happy fortunate well off are the peacemakers for they should be called sons of god studying this passage this week peacemakers one of the definitions of peacemaker is one who makes peace you know, when you define something with the word itself, it's pretty easy. What, what does love mean? Well, it means love. What does happiness mean? Well, it means happiness, one who is happy. You've got to give me a little more than that. But I wanted you to hear that because peacemakers are ones who not only have peace with God themselves but are ha- helping other people to come to peace with God. It's hard to keep the peace, but it's still more difficult to bring peace where it doesn't exist. So Jesus is saying, happy are the peacemakers. And again, this was not a characteristic, this was not an attribute that the Jews, the the religious people, 
would have considered in high favor. And yet Jesus offers a reward for it. Since 1945, there have been over 70 wars and over 200 international, internationally significant acts of violence. And all that man can offer is a truth. Here's what God offers. Peace. So blessed are the peacemakers. Here's some characteristics of peacemakers. Number one, you're at peace with God. How do you become at peace with God? You come to God through faith in Jesus Christ. He's already paid the penalty for your sin. And you've got to look at it. We were at war with one another. We were enemies. God hates sin. He didn't hate you. He loved you enough to send his only son, Jesus, to die on the cross to pay the penalty for your sin. But we weren't at peace with God. We're not all God's children, even though the Christmas song says we are. You become God's children by placing your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Then you're a child of God, so you have peace with him. Self-indulgent people who are focused only on themselves are not going to be peacemakers. Second, the characteristic of a peacemaker is you lead others to peace with God. So if you've received peace with God, one of the attributes of being a peacemaker yourself is you're going to tell other people about Jesus. It may even be that people say, what's different with you? What's changed? And you can kind of blow that off and say, I, I don't know, I'm just getting more sleep or I'm eating better. But the true answer, if you come to faith in Jesus Christ, is my life has changed. I'm a different person. I'm not the same person I used to be. God has recreated me from the inside out. So you tell people about Jesus. So another characteristic of a peacemaker is you're at peace with God, and then you lead others to peace with God. But also peacemakers help people make peace with other people. Anybody ever heard of the Hatfields and McCoys? <laughs> you wouldn't want to get in the middle of that. That was a family feud up in Virginia, West Virginia, I think, Kentucky. Where were the Hatfields and McCoys? Who said that? You, West Virginia. Are you from West Virginia? Okay. Well, let me give you another one. Not only Hatfields and McCoys, how about the Wakesfields and the Carters? Anybody know where that's from? Come on, the Wakefield and the Carters. Andy Griffith. If you haven't watched Andy Griffith, you're missing the best show ever on television. Go back and watch it. Only watch the black and white ones. They're actually better than the color ones. But we help, peacemakers help make peace between individuals who are at war. Let me read Romans 12, verse 18. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. I have people come to me at times and say, I, don't, I feel like I've done everything. I've asked forgiveness or I've offered forgiveness. And my answer is this verse. All you can do is what you can do. As far as it depends on you, be at peace with everybody. And somebody said, well, how do I know I've forgiven them? A few years ago, somebody gave me their advice, and I've taken it, and that is when you can treat that person like it never happened, then you know you've forgiven them. And you may struggle over forgiveness. We don't forgive the way God does. God forgives and forgets. We can't do that. We had a president one time that said, forgive your enemies, but don't forget their names. In other words, make a list. Why would you make a list? Well, because if you ever get a chance to get retribution, you've got their name on the list. But peacemakers are ones who not only have peace with God themselves, but help others come to peace themselves. Peacemakers also never compromise righteousness for peace. In other words, it's not peace at any cost. Righteousness is peace. But don't dumb down righteousness just so you can be at peace with people. In fact, the fifth one is speak, speak peacefully. Ephesians 4, 
It says, but speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. Speak the truth in love. You're not making peace when you act like sin doesn't exist. At times, especially this generation, I'm hearing this a lot. Well, you know, the Bible says don't judge. What does the Bible say? The Bible says as you judge, you will be judged. But it also says a spiritual person makes judgments about all things. We don't condemn. But if there's somebody that crosses your path that are living in sin, it's not loving them to ignore it. Now, I'm not telling you hit them in the head with a 50-pound Bible either. I'm telling you establish a relationship with them where you can say, you know what, I love you enough to tell you the truth. What's the reward? I love this. You should be called sons of God. In fact, the word used for sons here literally means children. It's not, it's not, this, it's not saying that, that you can't be a daughter of God. It's saying you're a child of God. In fact, it's a specific word in, indicating not just kinship, but the dignity and honor that comes with a relationship with a parent. So here's the promise. If you're a peacemaker... You're going to be given a name. You're going to be called a child of God. 1 John 3, 1. See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us. One translation says lavished on us. That we should be called children of God. What a blessing. What a reward. You've been given a name. Now, you were given a name at birth. You may like your name. You might want to change it. You might be going by your middle name because you didn't like the first one. I was probably a teenager before I realized my father's first name wasn't M. Every time he signed my report card or something, it was M. Period Guy Shaw. I found out his first name was Marion. So my kids, when they found out his first name was Marion, I asked them, I said, well, do you know anybody else named Marion? And my daughter said, yeah, Marion Joseph. No. No, not Mary and Marion. Anybody know a famous actor whose first name was Marion? What is it? Who? Oh, I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that. I'm thinking John Wayne. You're saying, no, his name was John Wayne. No, his name was Marion Morrison. But that didn't stand up in Hollywood, so he became John Wayne, the Duke. So you've been given a name. My name's Robert. My middle name was one I was always ashamed of, and it was because the doctor who delivered me, my father named me after him, my middle name. My middle name is Leon. Any Leons here? The only cool thing about, well, my son's a junior. He just raised his hand. I got stuck with it. He did too. The coolest thing about being a Leon is at Christmas time, if I come to your house and you've got Noel blocks out, I'm going to rearrange those so you know I've been there. So they say Leon instead of Noel. But you've been given a name. In fact, you've been called children of God. It literally means to hail as a proclamation. Here's what God's saying. Blessed are the peacemakers. For he's not going to be ashamed to say, that one's mine. If you're a parent, you know what that means. There's times your kids do something that embarrasses you, but you never want to say, I don't know that one. <laughs> no, that one's mine. I was video recording, and this was back in the days when your video recorder had this rest on your shoulder. Y'all aren't going to understand this. There was a time when phones only did one thing, and that was you could talk to somebody. Couldn't take pictures, couldn't take video. And one of my children slipped coming off the stage, and I was right on the front row with my video camera. And somebody said, you're going to send that in? Into what? America's Funniest Home Videos. You, you could win a lot of money. I said, no, that's my child. I'm not going to embarrass them by putting that on the Internet. Now, later on when it was one of the boys, I probably would have done it. <laughs> but not with the girls. 
So as a child of God, you're important to God. Here's the other thing you need to know about being a child. The enemy comes after the children of God because he's trying to attack God. It would be like you. If you do something to me, it's one thing. But if you mess with one of my kids, we've taken it to a different level. And Satan knows that about God. He can't touch God. So he tries to impact God by messing with his children. So understand that. See the attacks coming when they come. You've been given a name, child of God. The last one, and he repeats this about three times in this passage, happy are the persecuted. (laughs) Wait a minute. Happy are the persecuted? Are you serious? This is one as you study, you kind of, I want to skip this one. And God convicted me this week. I wasn't going to skip it. I'm going to preach it because it's here. But for us in America to say, I don't want to deal with persecution, we are ignoring the fact it's happening right now on planet Earth. There are people right now meeting in secret churches. There's pastors that are at risk of being beat up. And I just want to be comfortable. Blessed are the persecuted. Happy are the persecuted. And he's going to unpack why that is. Persecuted literally means to be pursued, to follow after, to press towards. It's what the Apostle Paul did when he was, when he was Saul. A Jew among Jews, a religious man. But what did he do? He persecuted Christians. He was even in hearty agreement with putting Stephen to death. He chased people out of Jerusalem to wherever they were and brought them back in chains, arrested. Why? Because they had followed Christ as Lord and Savior. So blessed are the persecuted. So a couple of thoughts about being persecuted. Number one, it's going to happen. 2 Timothy 3.12 says this, Indeed, all who desire to live godly lives in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And I'm going to talk about what that looks like in a minute. In case you're sitting here thinking, well, I know I'm a believer, but I'm not being persecuted. It may be that you have been and you're not giving it credit. But we haven't faced in this country the persecution level that they face in other parts of the world. So it's going to happen. The godly will be persecuted. Righteousness is confrontational. Do you know just your righteousness will make some people uncomfortable? You ever walked into a room, there's about eight people talking, and as soon as you walk in, they quit? Well, we need to be quiet because Robert's here. If that happens, you're normal. If it happens a lot, you may be schizophrenic, thinking people are always talking about you, and they're probably not. But righteousness is confrontational. That's why Cain killed Abel. Cain's sacrifice wasn't acceptable by God. Abel's was, and so Cain kills his brother. It's easy to avoid persecution. Just act like everybody else. And that's what the world will try to do to you as a Christian, to bring you down to their level. When the truth is, if you're on the level of becoming more and more like Christ, you're going to look so different than the world that it's going to make people uncomfortable. So you can't just go along to get along. That's what Abraham did. When Abraham came into a foreign country, remember what he said to his wife? Tell him you're my sister. Well, there was a little truth in that. He was kind of his half-sister, but he was, she was his wife. What was he afraid of? He was afraid they're going to say how pretty my wife is, and they're going to kill me and take her. Moses, confrontation. Moses ran from Egypt because of confrontation, because he had killed somebody. Forty years later, he's heading back to Egypt, changed man. So what are some types of persecution? Well, there's physical. And I thought about, I was in India four or five years ago, and my job there was to teach pastors. We were training pastors in India, and i got to tell you, they taught me a lot. Pastors in India, about a 1,000 in two different locations we were at, were in constant awareness that they, at any moment they could lose their freedom or maybe even get beat up 
and some of them maybe even lose their lives. Radical Hindus would come and threaten them. If you keep preaching or if you keep having this meeting in this building, we're going to beat up the owner of the building. So the owner would kick you out of the building. There are people, not just in India, but China and other places that for the cause of Christ are being persecuted now. Some of it's physical. Some of it, and this is, is also physical, it, if you've ever been excluded, let's say you used to be a part of a group and you come to faith in Christ and they don't invite you to stuff anymore. That's a minor, subtle form of persecution. It could be you've lost your property. You've lost your job. I've known of people who have literally lost their job because they wouldn't do some of the things their boss required them to do after they came to faith in Christ. You may go to prison. You may be beat. And you may be put to death. So one form of persecution is physical. And all of those are happening, whether they're happening to you to that full extent or not, they're happening on planet Earth. People who claim the name of Christ for that reason only are being persecuted. Verbal. He uses the word insult, literally to defame or taunt, to cast in your teeth, to say to your face. I had a kid one time accusing me of verbally abusing him. Let me tell you the story. It's kind of funny. We were at a, right before a Friday night football game, we had some of the youth at the church, and we were getting ready to go. We ordered pizza. One of our seniors named Paul said, i got to tell you all about a phone call I got this week. Kid called him and, and says, can I talk to Benji? Well, Benji didn't live at this place. Paul didn't know Benji, but he just said, no, Benji's not here. Well, where is he? He's in the hospital and hung up. Kid called back the next day. Can I talk to Benji? No, Benji's been in a bad wreck. He's still in the hospital. And the kid said, well, who are you? And Paul said, I'm his uncle. And then the kid said, well, my mom wants to talk to you. Paul hangs the phone up. The kid calling never catches on. But that Wednesday night at our youth group meeting, this kid I'd never seen before raised his hand. I said, yeah. He said, I got a prayer request. I said, great. What's your prayer request? My friend Benji has been in the hospital. He's been in a bad wreck. Paul made all that up. So I'm, I'm up taking prayer requests. I about fall through the back wall. One of my adult workers who knew of the story was on the floor on his face, just kind of kicking his feet back and forth. But my youth leaders didn't know any better, wondering, why is Robert laughing right now? How insensitive. This kid's friend's in the hospital. No, he wasn't. He just lost track with Benji. Benji wasn't anywhere in the hospital. He walked up to me after, and I said, man, I'm glad you're here. I hope you find Benji, but, but Paul told you all that. He, he just been dialing the wrong number, and he said, I won't be back. I've been verbally abused. <laughs> it gets better. Two days later, I get a call. Is Benji there? Same kid. My phone number, the last two digits of my phone number, if you reversed them, they were the same as Paul's. So I verbally abuse a kid. I apologize and all that. But it could be way worse than that. People may spit insults at you, may verbally abuse you. And even the third one is they'll tell lies, falsely say. People will make up stories about you just to make you look worse. What are they trying to do? Trying to make themselves look better and you look worse. Why? Because your righteousness has made them uncomfortable. So blessed are the persecuted because their reward is the kingdom of heaven. Same as verse 3. Their reward is the kingdom of heaven. Heaven was where God dwelled. It wasn't just looking up into the sky and saying, well, there's the heavens. But it was believed that's where God dwelled. And so blessed are those who are persecuted. Listen, it may get worse on planet Earth. And I want you to remember this verse. If you ever experience verbal persecution, if you ever experience physical ver- persecution, or if you ever experience people telling lies about you, probably most of us in this room have experienced at least one of those. 
and it's going to get worse. I've read the book. We end up winning in the end, but it gets bad before the end. So blessed are the persecuted, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So that's the reward. Last, the response. What does he say to do? Rejoice. Rejoice when I'm persecuted and be glad. The word be glad literally means to jump for joy. Let me read Acts 5:41 to you. The, the, some of the disciples were called in before the Jerusalem council and were threatened. They were beaten and threatened. And here's kind of what the Jerusalem council said. We don't want these people going around telling people about Jesus. We don't want them explaining the resurrection of Christ and he's living now. And that if you place your faith in him, you'll be a Christian and you'll spend eternity with God in heaven. So the council gets together and says, what are we going to do? Here's what they came out with. Let's tell them to quit doing it. So they come back out in Acts chapter 5 and said, all right, we're going to let you go after we beat you, but don't preach this gospel anymore. Look at what the disciples said in Acts 5.41. So they went on their way from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. That's what Jesus is talking about when he says, rejoice, be glad, for your reward in heaven is. 1 Peter 5.10, after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Paul also talks about this momentary light affliction. Keep in mind, our life is but a vapor. So whatever we experience persecution-wise right now, whether it's somebody lying about us, insulting us, or even physically abusing us, it's temporary. And the weight of glory that is to come is incomparable. I love what I love what Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah said in Daniel. Anybody ever heard of them? Who is that? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were told they had to bow down and worship the king. And they didn't do it. And so he threatens to throw them in the fiery furnace. This is what they said in verses 17 and 18 of chapter 3. If it be so, our God whom you serve, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the furnace of the blazing fire, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you've set up. Persecution. They were put, put in a fiery furnace. Now, the story ends real well. Read Daniel. But our attitude ought to be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and that is this. God is good, and he's blessed me on this earth. But if it ever gets hard, he's still good. If I ever experience persecution, he's still good. And there's coming a day when it's all going to be made right. Let me read this passage. This isn't on the screens. Let me read Revelation 21, verses 1 through 4. Hold on a minute while I get there. And I just want to close the service by reading this over us this morning. The end of the book of Revelation. There's only one chapter after 21. Guess what it is? It's 22. Y'all are a little slow this morning. But as we along and await the return of Christ, which is coming, sooner than it's ever been, He's coming. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. 
want you to hear this. And then there will be no longer any death. There will be no longer any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. And he said, Right, for these words are faithful and true. So blessed are those who are persecuted. Because there's coming a day when accounts are going to be settled. And you're going to spend eternity in heaven with God. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for that truth of your word. Thank you for the blessings that we see in the Beatitudes. And even though, God, they go against the system of this world, they're your system.